Hello and welcome back to the Access MLS podcast. I'm Luke Benino. It's great to be back, talk some major league soccer. Um, and we're about um, getting through about two-thirds of the way through the MLS season. And um, as we approach week 21 in MLS, it seems like we're kind of beginning to get some uh, some league-wide clarity on like how the standings are looking and uh, how things might pan out the rest of the way. Um, and specifically in both the East and the West, we're kind of forming some uh, dividing lines that are se- separating the contenders, the pretenders, and then those who are battling to stay above the red line. Um, so let's jump right in and start... Um, breaking it down for you and kind of see who's uh, who's legit going forward and who's going to be fighting and clawing just to even uh, make it into the playoffs uh, come September, October. Um, so let's start out in the East. Um, like I said, both in the East and the West, there's kind of like a clear-cut dividing line um, that's kind of formed in the last uh, couple weeks specifically um, between those that, that the haves and the have-nots in the conferences essentially. So let's start at the top. Um, we got a clear-cut top three out east. Um, in that top three for me is Atlanta United, um, New York City FC, and the New York Red Bulls. Um, to briefly go over those three, um, they're sitting uh, pretty clearly ahead of their um, competitors in the Eastern Conference. Um, Atlanta sits at 41 points, New York City FC at 40, uh, the Red Bulls at 35, but they're all between 1.94 and, one, and 2 uh, points per game, which is the most important stat. Uh, Columbus is next up at 1.43 so they're very far behind so they're clearly the top the top three teams in the east um atlanta's been slightly bumpy of late they've only got two wins in their last five but i'm not super concerned about them um darlington nagby will still be injured for another month or so but um this is good. It'll get um, it'll make it easier. Get Hector Vialba some more playing time. They need uh, Ezekiel Barco uh, to kind of find his form as a fifteen million dollar man. I understand he's a young uh, player at the age of nineteen, but if they really um, want to make some serious noise and not and noise in their uh, instance is winning an MLS Cup and maybe a supporter shield to go along with it, um, that's the kind of quality that they have. And anything less than that for Atlanta United, um, regardless of being a year after the expansion season or not um anything less than that is not going to be deemed acceptable and especially if they want to sell Miguel Almiron going forward they need to prove that Barco can be a a bigger player in their offense going forward but I'm not very concerned about them because their upcoming schedule is very soft the rest of the way um they don't play too many difficult opponents coming up, so they'll definitely be in the hunt at the end of the season. The Supporter Shield, uh, New York City FC uh, just capped off their best week in club history. Um, they played three games in a span of seven days, and they got three wins, took nine points out of nine, uh, didn't concede a goal, uh, outscored opponents 6 nothing in that stretch. Um and they had a really nice mix of things going on there. They had, I think, f- I think five guys play all 90 minutes in each game. And then they also had um, an injection of kind of youth that was carrying them along. Jesus Medina was player of the week in MLS. Uh, had his be- his probably best run of games uh, to date. He had two, two goals and an assist on the week. And... Um, he had been struggling for a couple uh, months in the middle there um, since the start of the season. So NYCFC fans are ecstatic to see that he's in form. And they're also very happy to see that new coach, uh, Dolme uh, Terrance, 
is uh, using the uh, fan favorite Jonathan Lewis, uh, his injection into the lineup, especially as a super sub against uh, tired legs at the end of games, has really changed games uh, that he has entered into. And Dolme uh, Tarant has really shown a knack in his in his first uh, first month in the MLS of uh, making some really good tactical adjustments at the half, uh, which is very encouraging for fans of NYCFC going forward. I mean, obviously he's a guy that's seen a lot of soccer or. I guess football, where he where he's coming from. He's been Pep's number one assistant at Man City, um, and Bayern, and also uh, at, at Barcelona. So he's seen some of the top levels. But you have to know that he probably hasn't watched a ton of MLS. Um, I'm sure when he got the job, he tried to go over. Um, I'm sure he watched a ton of tape from my CFC, but I'm sure every time he plays one of these new teams, it's the first time he's seeing them. So he gets a 45 minutes under his belt and he makes the adjustments from there. Um, and they've all pretty much, aside from the Chicago game, gone really well. So that's a very encouraging sign for NYCFC fans at this present moment and then going forward for the rest of the season, especially when he starts to see these times the second and third time around, whether that be during the season or uh, coming up in the playoffs. Um and then in third, the Red Bulls—they're playing well. They're playing well also. They won four and five and four out of five in the league play. Uh, the only loss was to NYCFC off a bad turnover late. Uh, other than that, that was a pretty even game. And they kind of are looking for uh, to cons- uh, consistency, and they're settling under their own coach. It's pretty interesting that both both of the. Uh, the the club the, these two clubs have had to go this kind of transformation even though they're both near the top of the table they both have had to make this adjustment and Chris Armas is uh, is in a different situation than Dome uh, Tarant um, Armas comes from the staff um, he's been in MLS for a while so he kind of knows his way around a little bit more but I'm sure the players are comfortable with him I've heard he's a very good motivator there. Um, so I'm sure that he just kind of he needs to establish himself as a coach. Uh, there was some interesting maybe non substitutions that were made in the NYCFC game. He needs to assert himself and know that he's making the calls now. He's running, running the show there. So uh, other than that, I think that those two three teams are very comfortable. And the big thing between those three teams is that one of them is not going to get a bye. Um, so. They, it's going to be interesting to see. I think they all have a reason to push. They all have a reason to go for the supporter shield, uh, especially NYCFC and Atlanta, as neither of them have, have any silverware to speak of. Um, but one of those teams is going to have to play in a knockout round game, and they're, they would, each of them would easily be the favorite over whoever's in. But it's still not necessarily a situation you might want to be in. Um, so that's a, stre- uh, a little battle to keep an eye out for over the next couple months. But those three teams are very uh, solidly in the playoffs um neither none of them will have any issues even if they they hit a rough patch they're that far ahead so going off of that what we kind of see is that there are um three spots remaining in the eastern conference and there's about i would say about six teams vying for those three spots now you can make an argument which six are the actual six but i'll name them off right now i think columbus new england montreal philly chicago that's five and then um maybe one of dc or orlando could also compete um for that uh, sixth spot. Um, so of those, that collection of teams, they all have clear flaws. Um, I, I think this why they're in the spot they are now. Um, but I think 
of those teams, I have confidence in two of them that they will make the playoffs. That would take up two of the three open spots. I think, first of all, Columbus, they've hit a rough stretch. They haven't won in eight games. They either have one win or no wins in their last eight. But they're definitely the team that I have the most confidence in of that group. Um, They've got the best coach in Craig Berhalter. uh, Sorry, Greg Berhalter. Um... I think that they're the most balanced squad. They have the best defense of all these teams, um, and they have the best goalkeeper for now. We know uh, a, a bid came in from a, from Bristol City for around four million, uh, for in, from around four million dollars. Um, for Zach Steffen, if they hold on to him, they definitely have the strongest defense of any of these teams that are vying for these spots. And I think you still you have a pro- proven goal scorer in Zardes up top with 11 goals. I know they're weak on the wings, but you still have Higuain playing underneath them. I think this is definitely the best team of this group. I would expect them to come in fourth in the East. Um even with a, a, a decent schedule coming up. But um, I think that they should get in. The next team I think that is in is uh, Montreal. They've been in very good form recently, um, aside from a loss to NYCFC on the road where it didn't really seem like they showed up. They've won, uh, I think, four out of their last five. Um <laughs> So it seems as if Remy Gard has finally gotten through to his guys. Um, they're playing more consistently. Uh, their, def- their defending has been better of late. Um, that was kind of uh, – it was very – bad in the beginning of the year. They've kind of solidified it a little bit. Um, and Ignacio Piatti has been in great form. Um, Silva has been playing well. And uh, Safir Tider has been playing, uh, has kind of settled into his role um, in the middle of the park there. So they do have more of um, a consistent production uh, towards the front end of the field as well. And the big thing for them is that um, it, there's been reports that they're um, – I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm sorry if I butcher it, but uh, a Gwing camp in um, in France. They're trying to they're trying to get Jimmy Briand from them, from from them. And uh, he is a player that has scored double digit goals the last two years in um, in in French League One. Um, that's impressive there. And I think if he comes here, that's a big upgrade for them. They've been rotating between Matteo Mancosu and Anthony Jackson Amel this year up top, and neither of those guys have given him any consistent production and they still manage to hang around and be a, and play well right now and be above the red line you throw a guy that's a proven striker even if he's 32 years old you throw him in and f- along with um with Piatti and tight air um helping prop him up up there and he could um be a, a, a definitely an above average striker in the eastern conference and better than most what most of these teams are offering here uh i think that that would definitely be enough even without him they might be able to get him but if that um, if that signing goes through, that would definitely give them an upper hand on the rest of these teams that are vying uh, for playoff positioning out east. So that would be my two predictions to kind of uh, say who does get in. So there's that leaves one spot up for grabs. And to be honest with you, I don't really have a clear-cut favorite of these teams. Um I think some stuff to look forward uh, or look toward going forward uh, is that New England and Philly are two of these teams, and they play each other twice in August. Um, so that is definitely going to be a point of contention. That's if either one of those teams takes four points from the other, uh, that could be very uh, impactful going forward. Um, the teams that these 
that when these teams play against each other, it's going to have uh, serious playoff implications going forward. Um, and it's not going to be a great team probably that gets in that sixth spot. Um, they're going to be a heavy underdog going up against the likes of an NYCFC or a New York Red Bulls or even an Atlanta if they were to fall down there. Um, but <laughs> you, you just got to get into the playoffs to have a shot at them. And uh, I think that it, it's tough because to say New England's they're kind of regressing to the mean. You can see uh, their defense, their defending has been very poor. They're starting to let in some bad goals. I think Brad Friedel recognizes it. Uh, Matt Turner hasn't had the same magic as he had in the beginning of the season. Um, looking at that LA Galaxy game, they leaked a couple goals late. Uh, it's not good enough um, from them. Uh, and I think Chicago is the, the strongest team offensively in this group, but the problem for them is that they're also just just giving away goals to the back. I mean, you look at that Philadelphia game where they gave up that, that goal in the 95th minute or so to David Akam. Um, that's just that's just not going to do it. Um, you can't be giving away points like that. You can't be giving away games like that. And you don't want to see I – mean, there are too many times I see Chicago with the, giving, a, put a, giving up a three-spot defensively. And I don't see any defensive um, uh, reinforcements coming in. If they do, that would probably give, give I would give them the edge in jumping over um, New England and Philly. But as of now, I, I've seen Johan Kabelhoff and, and, John, and Jonathan Campbell back there way too many times. It's the same result. Um, so I and Richard Sanchez is not a guy that I view as a consistent goal goalkeeper. I, I see I've seen him make some very nice saves. He's definitely a good athlete, but um, his positioning and he is sometimes off. And he's I, I I've seen him give away too many goals, and that's a, definitely a bad combo along the with a weak back line and a below average goalkeeper. Um, so to be honest, I'm not sure who's going to come out of that that last spot. Um, I think DC United uh, even does have a shot because these other teams are so unconvincing. Uh, they still have 14 more home games. I mean, they are averaging uh, a little less than a point per game, which is not good. But um, I, I really think that if they could get close to two points a game at home, which they've in their three home games currently, they're 2-0-1, which is not bad. Um, they would give themselves a shot um, if they could maybe win two-thirds of those games. Uh, it's not easy. Um, it's not necessarily an easy game that they're playing against, but they got a gorgeous new stadium. They got Wayne Rooney uh, to go along with a nice collection of wingers. You never know. Uh, maybe uh, maybe Ben Olsen lights a spark under him. And for, as for Toronto FC, uh, I had propped them up for a while. I really thought it was going to turn around, but I feel like we've been saying the same thing for a bunch of weeks now. It's If this guy comes back, maybe if Mavinga comes back, if Moore comes back, if Altidore comes back, but every week that we say this and every week that they give up a loss to whether it's Minnesota a couple weeks ago where they, they gift four goals or whether it's uh, an Orlando team that's had nine straight losses, you cannot try to be making the playoffs and making up a huge gap and give a team that has lost nine games in a row a win. That's just, it's just ridiculous. Um, I think that there's something... Just as there was something in the water there last year in Toronto, uh, I think that there's something uh, kind of working the other way. Uh, looking at American soccer analysis, I know along with the crew, they've had uh, maybe the most unlucky season in terms of expected goals. But um, 
at some point it's going to be too late for them to turn it around. And if they really don't start winning consistently, I think it's kind of done. And I, I don't really see it happening at this point. I think that they're, I wouldn't be surprised if we see maybe a big sale uh, of one of their top guys. We already said uh, Aguera Keche gets sent back to Spain. Um, you never know. Uh, there could be another big one coming up. That's a team definitely to keep an eye on and to see kind of what direction they take because it's an expensive team uh, for one that's really not producing anything right now. Okay. So now that's the East. We move on to the West, and it's a, it's a similar situation out West. Um, as opposed to three in the East, I'd say we have four teams that are kind of at the top that are standing out. But four is kind of a, uh, generous. Um, four is because I want to believe in the fourth team. I think three of them are definitely played well. But I'll I'll, go, I'll get into that right now. The first one is obviously uh, they don't like to be called an expansion club, but the expansion club, LAFC, they are rolling along right now they've got a wealth of attacking options up top um the World Cup was thought to be kind of not great for them. They would lose Vela and they would lose Arania. and but what it ended up doing is ex- uh, highlighting maybe one of their best players in Adama Diamande, uh, a guy that has history with um, Bob Bradley in Norway, um, struggled the last couple of years at Hull City, but who would have thought that he would have come in here and scored, uh, what was it, like nine goals in his first seven games or so. Um Really impressive stuff from him. So what Bob and Andre Hortas coming in too, uh, a guy that's a DP caliber player only at the age of 20 or 21. Um, What's the problem for them is Bob Radley's got to decide what is his best lineup. I mean... It's a good problem to have, don't get me wrong. Um, and I was watching the MLS show a couple days ago, um, and Bobby Warshaw and Kalen Carr were kind of uh, uh, debating this point. They were kind of saying, well, I think it was Bobby that was saying, uh, oh, I don't really, I think it could be a problem that um, uh, that all, some of these guys are going to have to sit. Um, they're not going to be happy about it. And Kalen Carr was kind of saying that he didn't think it was a problem as long as they're winning and things are going well. Uh, I'm kind of in between the two of those but I think one key thing that um, coming off of last night is is actually very big for them is that Going further in the U.S. Open Cup is going to be huge because that's going to be opportunities to keep all uh, a, a lot of different mouths happy. Um, obviously, there's only a couple games left in that, but um, getting those extra games in uh, to get experience and get playing time for guys like Latif Blessing who are playing so, so well and you want to find time on the field for them. But you didn't bring Andre Horta over here to sit the bench. So like a guy like him, he's going to have to play. Carlos Vela is going to be in the 11 every single week. Um, you, you can't take out Adama Diamande the way he's been playing. Uh, Diego Rossi is another DP that has to be playing. And there's a bunch of guys up top that I just listed. How are you going to not play any of those guys? You don't want to take out Mark Anthony K. He's been a stud in the middle of the park for them. Benny Philhopper's adapted to life um, as a box-to-box midfielder really, really well. Um, it's very interesting. It's a good problem to have for LAFC. Um, but it's Bob Bradley's responsibility to kind of take those, uh, I don't know if, I don't want to say the word egos, that is a negative connotation, but he's got to take those guys and kind of mold them into a, a unit and find out which, A, what his best unit is, and B, uh, get enough squad rotation that people are not kind of... Um, 
uh, bringing down the morale of the entire team. But other than that, I mean, that's a great problem to have. Uh, this this team is so so talented and uh, playing playing so so well right now. Um, along with them up top, FC Dallas has been chugging along. We don't hear about them as much, uh, but they're at a two point per game pace, which is tied for tops in the league. Uh, the big thing for FC Dallas, I'll touch on a little more later, is that how are they going to look going forward without um. <clears throat> Their classic guy in the middle of the park in Mauro Diaz. Uh, that's going to be up to Oscar Perea. But um, without a ton of headlines this year, they just keep winning games. They're undefeated at home. Um, and that's just always going to be very good for you. You're going to always, if you're undefeated at home and you keep picking up the odd points here on the road, uh, they got a chance to compete for the Supporters' Shield. And they're right there at the top of that race. Um, next up, I have Port- the Portland Timbers. Um, they're unbeaten in 12 league games. Um, and thanks to a really... Um, Giovanni Zavarese has really instilled a great defensive uh, kind of work ethic in this team. Um, they've they discovered Julio Cascante wasn't really playing at the beginning of the year. He solidified himself in that starting 11 week in, week out alongside Laris Mabiala at the back. Um, and then they've got three really good fullbacks that they can um, kind of work in between Alvis Powell, uh, Zarek Valentin, and then Vitas is back from injury now. Um, so they have a really nice rotation going there. So that's a very um, a solid back line. Jeff Adonale has played great this year. And then on top of that, uh, a guy that I always hear Matt Doyle say could be an MVP candidate. And when you look at the numbers, just when his on-off splits uh, in their record, Diego Chara has just been incredible. And I think they're 0-11-6 when he doesn't play. And when he plays, um, this is in, over the last couple of years, um, their record is just through the roof. Um, and he's he's a guy that covers a ton of ground in the middle of the park and protects that back line and allows Diego Valeri and Sebastian Blanco to go for and link up with Samuel Armenteros has been great, great pickup for them. So they have really have found a good formula for them. Um, they don't need to have the ball a ton, but they they, they don't mind at all. Uh, it's it's a, it's a good formula for uh, Savarese's crew, and I think that's very important at this time of year, knowing what you are and knowing how you want to play. Um, I think there's a bunch of these teams that are vying for playoff position. Uh, a lot of them don't even know that yet, and um, that's something I'll touch on a bit more later. But I think that it can be a key. So I did say that there are four teams at the top of the West. It's kind of like three and a half. I want to say four because I do believe in SKC. SKC is that next team. I want to believe in them. I thought they were going to be a team that was going to be near the top of the Western Conference. And for the first couple months of the season, they looked really good. They looked legit. They looked like once they got over their um, beginning of season defensive woes, uh, they looked like the same team with uh, a standout goalie, a great back line. And then on top of that, um, a lot of scoring, but now um, it's a little shakier. Um, the goals haven't been coming as much. Uh, Johnny Russell, one of my favorite players to watch, has slowed just a bit. Um, and now they're kind of uh, leaking some goals at the back again. And we know that this is a problem year in and year out for Peter Vermees' teams. Uh, usually it comes a little later in the season, but um, second half uh, uh, droughts are kind of... Uh, commonplace uh, for for sporting. So he really needs to write this ship fast. Um, I still consider them a very talented team, but this is a pivotal spot. They need to stop it now. Um, 
And there's some questions to ask for. They have a very tough schedule coming up. Um, their schedule, as of now, hadn't been uh, hadn't had been about middle of the pack in the league, and now it's uh, towards the diff- more difficult strength of schedule heading down the stretch. Uh, what are they going to do about a number nine? I've heard I've heard people tossing around on ideas on Twitter about Christian Ramirez. Um, I thought that actually would be a decent fit. Um, a guy that could um, really focus on his atta- uh, his attacking prowess and have better wingers playing off him, a lot like like Johnny Russell, and if you move Daniel Shallowy back out wide, um, those guys are um, superior to what he's working with in Minnesota. Uh, I think that could be a nice fit, um, but I don't know if they are going to chase after a number nine uh, or if they're stick with what they have. Uh, then the other question is Felipe Gutierrez. How close is he to coming back? He's a big upgrade over Johan Cruyff. Uh, playing in that kind of number 10 role uh, that's linking the linking Ilya and Espinosa with the front line. Uh, if Gutierrez can come back and play nearly or close to as well as he did in the beginning of the season, this team can definitely uh, right the ship and fix themselves. Um, but if not, um, they could tumble down this table again and, like last year, end up with uh, being on the road in the first round, and that's exactly what you don't want to have happen, um, and, get no- and then find yourself getting knocked down the knockout stage. One underrated thing, it might be good. It could be a blessing in disguise that they're not going deep into the U.S. Open Cup to defend their title. allow them to focus more on the league, play their better players in the league, um, and not be worn down as much as sometimes they are at the end of these seasons. Um, but that's four spots. I still think even if SKC tumble a little bit, they'll still a playoff team. So that leaves two spots open in the Western Conference with about five teams in play for those spots. The teams that I have um, written down, definitely competing for it. Real Salt Lake, the LA Galaxy, Houston Dynamo, Vancouver Whitecaps, and Minnesota United, based on their points and their winning the last couple games, they are definitely in the conversation. And maybe, if you want to make this argument, the Seattle Sounders, if you think you believe in them for having another late charge, uh, it's 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 possible. The team of these of this group that I have the most. Um, confidence in is the LA Galaxy though um, I think after they played the toughest schedule in the league to date um, uh, based on strength of schedule and um, they've, they're still above the red line basically what they've done all season I kind of covered this a little over a month ago when I did my midseason power rankings they've beaten the teams that they should beat and they've lost to most of the teams that are probably better than them and is that a mark of a great team? No, but it's a mark of a team that makes the playoffs and squeaks in or is a is a lower-end playoff team, and that's what they've done. And now that they've played most of their more difficult games in the front half of the season, their schedule is one of the easiest the rest of the way. And if they do what they've done the, most of the year and beat teams that they are probably more talented and better than, then they should make them to the playoffs, and they should do it pretty easily if they're already over the red line now. I know that their back line's still shaky. It's been a little better of late. Um, maybe Rolf Felcher comes back in August, um, but I don't know how much movement there's going to be there, but their um, offensive talent is just... It's really, really good. Um, you, to to have the luxury of not playing Zlatan last week and still scoring three goals and having guys like Ola Kamara and Alessandrini leading your line and then uh, Chris Pontius chipping in two goals um, 
it it's a deep a deep attacking roster. You still have a guy like Emmanuel Boateng coming off the bench. Um, they should be able to outscore most of the uh, teams that are around them uh, in this area. And I do think that they are more talented. So I think that they should comfortably take that fifth spot in the West. And I would I think it's very possible you see an SKC versus um, LA Galaxy. Uh, first round game which would be an interesting uh, kind of matchup of styles there I would definitely not mind seeing that and hey uh, Zlatan's been very entertaining so far in the league um, I'm a guy that wants to move away from the older signings but uh, Zlatan has been very good in the league he scored double digit goals already um, he's kind of found his niche and um, he's been very solid and helped this LA Galaxy team um, moving on from uh, LA uh, I don't buy into two of these teams that I listed in this group. I don't buy into the Vancouver Whitecaps, and I don't buy into Minnesota United, and here's kind of why. Um, Both of them are near the bottom of the league defensively. One's allowed 40 goals, the other one's allowed 39, and I don't think that um, they're balanced enough throughout their starting 11 to kind of make up for these defensive deficiencies. Um... On the one hand, you got probably a both around average goalkeepers on both, so those guys really aren't propping up either back line. And each team does have, don't get me wrong, um, each of these teams has a star player that is worth watching week in and week out. Um, and on Vancouver, that's Alfonso Davies. I mean, you just look at what he did on that last play versus DC United. Uh, he's, he's taking on three defenders, uh, keeping the ball on his foot like a string, uh, making them a little stupid and then firing a left-footed shot into the side netting from outside um, outside the area. I mean, he is capable of doing a spectacular like that every week, and he's still a teenager, so it's awesome. And then on for the Loons, uh, it's Darwin Quintero. I mean, what a signing. Uh, it's going to be great to have him open up their new stadium next year. Hopefully they get him a little more help. Um, he has been awesome to watch. Uh, apparently he's the chip master. He's, he's getting everybody on that. And then... The, the skill that he showed last night in taking down New England, uh, where he basically went around half the New England um uh, half the New England uh, back line was uh, was crazy. Uh, he's he's been a great player for the league. Really good signing. Uh, maybe causes teams to look more toward League MX for some guys that uh, could be explosive contributors. But as good as these two guys are, I think that they. Um, they don't have enough help around them. And specifically, I, don't, I think both of these teams lack stability in the center of the park. Uh, Felipe doesn't look as good as when he was with the Red Bulls and Jesse Marsh's system. Um, I, I think on from the Loons' perspective, a guy like Rasmus Schuler and like um, uh, Miguel Abara, they're they're all right. I like Abara, but they're they're missing uh, a dominant aspect of like a possess possession based midfielders in the center of the park, and I think that they're going to get overrun by better teams. Um, each of them are, uh, I think, each of these teams could be prone to uh, kind of like a letdown stretch uh, going forward, and I don't expect either of them to make the playoffs. Um, moving on from them, I think that the Sounders are too far gone uh, to make a run. Uh, they really put themselves in a hole this time around. Unless uh, I love the signing of Raul Rui Diaz, but unless he probably scores double-digit goals from here on out and their defense locks it down, uh, I think that they are too far out of a playoff spot. Um, to make it this year, um, so I think, according to my prediction, I think that the we're we're kind of moved on from this 
back-to-back uh, MLS Cup final. I think it's good for the league maybe to have both these teams miss it. It's good for the parity of the league. Uh, it shows that it's wide open and things can turn on a turn on a dime, which is which is encouraging. It's 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 good for the fans of every team, even people like San Jose and Colorado. Uh, but um, I've mentioned those teams. Um, which leaves me with two for the final spot. Um, I think that um, the two teams that are going to be competing for that last spot out west are Real Salt Lake and the Houston Dynamo. Um, and it's interesting going forward. I wanted to look at their schedules to kind of see how it um, how it would play it out. And they're kind of opposite because the next four for Real Salt Lake are very big. They have a soft next four game um, that they should take points in, that they should um I mean, they are above the red line right now that they really should extend their lead because if they don't, uh, they're going to be in trouble because their last five games are a gauntlet. They play Atlanta, Sporting Kansas City, um, New England, and then uh, the Portland Timbers twice, and three of those five games are on the road. So that is a very, very tough stretch to end the season. If they are not um, ahead of these teams around them going through those those late season games, I don't think that they're going to be able to make up enough points. Uh, they need to have a have a gap of games, and um, if not, uh, Mike Pecky's going to be in for a rough end of the season. I think. On the other hand, it's kind of opposite for um, for Houston. Uh, their next four games are very tough, but towards the end of the season, uh, their schedule really eases up. They've got a couple games for Seattle late in the season. Um, they have a very good chance. Late on to uh, to make up some ground and if they can kind of uh, hold water um, these next four games um, they should give themselves a good chance they do have the US Open Cup um, so they do have to um, after their 4-2 win yesterday they do need to make sure that they uh, they have uh, enough squad rotation Wilmer Cabrera is usually very good about that um, anyway so um, I, I don't think I don't foresee that being a huge problem. And of these two teams, I think it's very close. I had a very tough time because I actually thought RSL going into the year um, was going to be better than they are. But like I said earlier about having an identity and knowing how to play, that kind of leads me to say that I think that Houston is in a better position to make the, this last playoff spot. Um, the reason I, I say this is because I think, A, Houston boasts a stronger back line. I think that they're, they have more dynamic attacking options out wide with more pace. And I think their roster overall is definitely deeper. Um, if they can survive this next month while stealing some points against some of these um, difficult teams and using this new 4-5-1 uh, look that uh, Wilmer Cabrera ran out and they earned a clean sheet. I think that they kind of might have the clearest road to the last spot in the West. I wanted to believe in RSL. I've kind of wanted to believe in them all year. But I think Wilmer Cabrera's team, especially after having the success that they had in the playoffs last year using a similar model, I think that they know how they want to play. They don't need the ball, but they know that they can counter anybody. Uh, they've got the pace of the guys like Kyoto and Elise and having Mauro Minotas in the middle up top. Uh, I think that they know how to play more than RSL does. Um, I still feel like RSL is kind of searching for an identity. I mean, I love Albert Rusnak, um, but I think that they don't really, they start running out that 4-3-3. The middle of the park is not super athletic for them with guys like Krylak and um, Beckerman. Um, So I'd I'd lean toward Houston uh, taking that last spot. Um, 
coming down the stretch. But remember, we still all these teams have between. I mean, I guess it depends which team we're talking about between 18, 19 and 14 games left. So that's that's a couple months left of, of soccer. I mean, a lot can change. But uh, this is just kind of how I see it now. And uh just what I'm expecting uh, going forward. Uh, before we uh, finish up, I want to uh, just go over briefly, uh, look at the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, last night we had four games, and so we've got our final four, or maybe final four. I'll touch on that in a second. But um, uh, Philadelphia Union took down Orlando one one nothing. Uh, Chicago Fire uh, lit into uh, Louisville City FC, the last uh, USL team. And I, I've seen some uh, sorry, they won four nil in that game, and I've seen because MLS teams are taking this this tournament more seriously, which I think is a good thing. The only negative that comes out of that is you see less of these runs from uh, teams like Louisville City FC or FC Cincinnati. Um, uh, I, I think that those are always fun to watch, but it is good that these teams are taking the competition seriously. I mean, you saw um, last year in the uh, final between uh, Red Bulls and SKC, pretty high-quality stuff. Um, so you, it's it's a little uh, give and take there. But um, then after that, you had the Houston Dynamo take down Sporting Kansas City 4-2, to and you had a very exciting game in the nightcap with Los Angeles at, uh, LAFC uh, winning... Uh, three to two over the Portland Timbers, but that one is not done and dusted yet. As the um, the Portland Timbers have this game had a lot of stuff. Uh, Adama Diamande actually posted on Instagram after the game that he um, ex- was subjected to some. Uh, some racial slurs on the field, which is unacceptable um, by all counts, whether it's from a fan, whether it's from a player, uh, that just should not fly at all. Um, that is not cool. It's not allowed. Um, but from an actual soccer perspective, um, Portland Timbers are actually protesting the game uh, that um, because the U.S. Open Cup has certain rules about how many international players you can have, um, not only on the pitch, but in your 18, um, they are um, asserting that um, LAFC had beyond the, um, it's either five or six that you're allowed to have, and um, they had beyond that. Uh, I'm not actually sure what the ruling is like if if they're in the right, if they're gonna win this, I don't actually know enough about it yet. It literally just popped up right before I recorded this, but I think that one of the question marks could be from a guy like uh, Mark uh, Mark Anthony K, who in MLS counts um, um, as as um, a U.S. based player because either he's a I'm not sure if it's because he's um, a homegrown guy or he's a domestic talent, but in the U.S. Open Cup, he does not because he is a Canadian uh, of Canadian descent. Um, So it might be because of him. It may be because of one or two other guys. That's something to keep an eye on going forward. Um, But these four teams, as currently constituted, the final four would be LAFC, Houston Dynamo, Chicago Fire, and Philadelphia Union. Um... It's an interesting mix there because you've got one team that's very, very talented and very, very deep in LAFC, and the rest of them are kind of fighting for playoff positioning. So it'll be interesting to see how much uh, resources those other three commit to this tournament. Um, 
Philadelphia Union were close a couple of years ago. Uh, they might uh, want to go for it, and you might as well go for silverware when you're at that point. I, I really believe that. I think um, it's definitely a worthy shot. Um, so that's the uh, that's the U.S. Open Cup. I want to look ahead briefly to Week 21 and do something I haven't done in a while. Uh, make a clean sheet prediction, a bold goal prediction, and then a game of the week. Um, I used to do this a bunch uh, last year and I haven't had the chance to this year so um, let's get back into that I think that my clean sheet prediction this week is I think that Seattle is going to hold Vancouver uh, to no goals uh, Seattle's defense although their offense has been bad um, I expect Raul Ruiz Diaz to start in this game so I think that they'll win and I think that their defense has been extremely stingy of late we saw what they did to Atlanta in Atlanta and the Vancouver Whitecaps only barely scored last week due to the brilliance individual brilliance of Alfonso Davies. These games, these um, Cascadia games are always very cagey and tight. I think that it's probably a 1-0 game, uh, but I think that Vancouver does get shut out in this one. So um, I would take money to the bank on that one. Uh, a bold goal prediction for me is I think I think Kaku's going to score this week. He's only got three goals in the season. He's been he's had a ton of assists, but um, I, I think he's going to have a field day breaking down the space between the, the New England midfield and their back line, kind of like our man Alessandrini did last week. And I think that he's even going to get a goal. It could be something from around the, the edge of the box. Uh, I think that the the Atlanta, uh, sorry, not Atlanta, New England's have been um, very leaky as of late uh, in the back. And I think that the Rebels easily put up two, maybe even three goals on him. I think Aku, uh, who is due for one after a while, he hasn't uh, he hasn't won. And even if even if um, he doesn't score, I would highly recommend him in uh, an MLS fantasy this week. I think that he's definitely going to be a guy that's involved in a bunch of key passes and probably should get an assist or two in that buildup. And game of the week for me, I think I got to go with the Texas Derby. Uh, it's Dynamo versus uh, FC Dallas. I think it should be a lively affair. I expect goals in this one. I expect a lot of open play, uh, especially getting down the wings um, with the pace from both sides. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how Dallas kind of um, compete in this game without Mauro Diaz. They've done pretty well so far, but that was against... um, uh, a Chicago Fire team that's brutal defensively. I think that this team uh, is uh, uh, sorry. I think that Houston is much um, more co- cohesive than that team, and I think that this game has the potential to be a very fun one. The in-state rivals, uh, one's battling for Supporters Shield, the other one's battling to get into the playoffs. Um, so I think it's going to be a very fun, lively affair. And I'm predicting a two-two draw here, and which is kind of a good result for both sides. I think Dallas will be happy going in there, getting that point, and uh, Houston would be uh, would be satisfied at least uh, getting a point against one of the best teams in MLS. Uh, up to this point um, so that's it for me um, it's great to be back on here and talking about it um, but before we get out of here um, I, I focused a lot today on the competitive races in both the east and the west but I uh, don't want to forget that um, there is a very hot race for the supporters shield right now um, with four maybe even five clubs if you include Portland uh, neck and neck near the top um, we've never really seen at the end of the season a bunch of teams end up with 60 plus points but and I don't think it, all four of these teams will but um, as of now we got about four teams on pace to do that um, so it'll be very interesting in the next month to see um, who uh, who of Atlanta and uh, New York City FC and uh, FC Dallas and New York Red Bulls and uh, 
LAFC. Which of those teams um, can keep this pace chugging along and really can vie for some silverware? Uh, it should be a very uh, tightly contested race towards the end and something definitely to keep an eye on even as the uh, the red line race uh, heats up in the next couple months. Um, but now we, ra- we wait to see how the results full fall and um, look forward to another exciting week of MLS action. Thank you very much. <laughs>